0: Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood, a commodities outlook, what's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector. Carl Kentania, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers, today, 11 Eastern, CNBC.
1: Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ Marketside in Times Square on this Friday afternoon. The guys are getting ready for the big show. In the meantime, here's what's coming up.
2: GE shares are getting slaughtered, but if you think the bloodbath could be nearing an end, Dan Nathan is a way to play for a bounce. Plus, attention, attention Walmart shoppers. The chart of the Dow stock has been breaking out. And Carter Worth says there's more gains in store for the retailer when it reports earnings next week. He'll break it down. And chip stocks have been getting crushed. And there's a big event next week that could signal more pain. My co's got the trade. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now.
1: And we start with retail gearing up for a big week of earnings. Home Depot reports Tuesday, Macy's on Wednesday, Walmart and Nordstrom Thursday. These stocks have been bright spots amid the broader market weakness over the last month. So how should you play these names heading into earnings? Let's get straight to the chart master, Carter Worth over at the Plasma. Carter, what are you looking at?
3: look at Walmart, obviously a big one, but uh, really uh, in many ways is a consumer staples play. We know it's a big grocery store and we know how well consumer staples are acting. So this is both an offensive and a defensive uh, bet here. The most recent data point, of course, is this huge gap on its earnings. There it is. You can see it. Uh, basically, a, a massive move after a surprising result and, of course, on epic volume, right, which is what you want when you have a, a, a gap to the upside. So I'm going to make the bet that we get a, a, a big move here in the next quarterly report. Let's put this in context. So. Here is the gap, right, uh, just to put that again, to focus on that issue. But what we really have, you know, this thing sort of draws itself. I mean, by all accounts, we have a cup and handle, and the move uh, would suggest to the former high. That former high is 109.98. We closed around 105 uh, today. So just a 4 percent move to get us back there is, is the bet that I'm making. Let's pull it back even further um, just one more chart. This is going back to uh, 2015. And again, just to my eye, this is a, such a, a well-defined setup with the cup and handle. You could also make the case that this is ultimately um, a massive head and shoulders bottom. I, I think Walmart is, is a place to be both offensively and defensively make the bet long into earnings.
1: All right, Carter. Well, we all know that Mike Coe is an international man of mystery today. He's in, Ooh, look at that, Austin, Texas. And Mike, what's the trade?
4: Home again here in Austin, Texas. Yeah. So it's interesting that he mentions Walmart as a staples play because, you know, we have seen valuations on a lot of the retail names at very low levels. Walmart's isn't particularly. It's trading about 22 times earnings. But if we take a look at the charts that he was just taking a look at, one of the things you're going to notice is that this stock has already made a fairly sharp move to the upside since October 15th, up about 12 bucks. And given the fact that options prices are actually relatively low here, I think the move is simply to go and buy the January 105 calls. When I was looking at those earlier today, those were about $3.80. And when you consider the types of moves we've been seeing and the amount of time it has taken for them to make those moves, I think this is a relatively inexpensive way to make a bullish bet here. You're going to get plenty of time potentially to either spread this or roll it if we see a move to the upside. And if the stock should pull back by anything close to the move that we've recently seen, you're going to be risking far less than that, 380 versus, you know, probably 12 bucks or so that we've seen in 19 trading days and you're going to have this all the way until January expiration.
1: What do you think of Walmart?
5: So two things. I think it's really hard to argue with Carter's technical setup. This stock seems destined to go back to that prior high at 110. But when you think about Mike's trade right here, I think it makes total sense to define your risk to a little less than 3% of the stock price. So if you are convinced that the stock's going to get there and then break out, don't forget this stock had a massive gap on their last earnings report, I think to the tune of 8 or 9% or something like that. So if they're able to kind of beat and raise again, Mike's trade is going to be the way to do it. I think it makes sense to define your risk into a Print after you've had such a big run like this, right. too. Right, so
3: the, the, the things that we're focused on is it's not that big a move to get to the high, about 4%. Two, a stock that was up in October when you just had the worst October in a decade. Three, a stock that was up today uh, when people pounding equities going into the market, uh, into the close, that's the kind of behavior of money that would argue that there's both people hiding for good reason. Or there are plenty of people that have to belong. You know, that's the bulk of of capital is fully invested at the mutual fund level uh, and at many uh, endowments and pension. And so they're making decisions here that would argue that this is a place that at least will hold up better, even if the whole thing were to turn down, meaning market and Walmart.
1: Yeah. Mike, obviously it's a tactical trade, but, you know, we've seen the outperformance of staples uh, and and sort of the hideout trades like a Walmart in the month of October. Do you think Walmart is expensive? I mean, are you concerned on a valuation basis that too many people are flocking to names like Walmart for safety, to hide out?
4: No, I think that's a great question. And the valuation at 22 times forward isn't really cheap, I wouldn't say, for a name that's growing maybe the top one at about 4%. But that's exactly the point. If you take a look at other safety trades, those are the ones that actually have those higher valuations. And to the extent that the valuation does present a risk, we're sort of layering safety upon safety because we're really risking a relatively small amount by buying that upside call. So if this safety trade proves to be unsafe, it's not going to be as unsafe for us.
1: Is a safety trade
3: unsafe overall? Uh, At the end of the day, they get around everybody, right? So if you think about it, uh, uh, nothing is immune when the real selling gets going.
1: All right. Well, from a bright spot in the market to a black hole, checkout shares of General Electric, the stock getting shellacked today, falling 6% after J.P. Morgan lowered its price target on the industrial giant to $6 a share that's down from 10 The stock is now down 50% this year and has shed more than half a trillion dollars since its all-time high back in 2000. If you think the worst could be over for now, well, Dan's got a way to play GE for a bounce. So, Dan.
5: So, it's interesting, Mel. You said the stock was down 6% today. At one point, it was down almost 12%. So, when you see that sort of intraday reversal, a little bit, it didn't close up. That would have been beautiful, especially after a 35% drop in just the last month. You know, you're starting to get a sense that things are getting a little panicky here. Mel said the stock's down 50% um, on the year, and the sentiment is just downright horrible. This JP Morgan analyst put a $6 price target on the stock. It closed, I think, yesterday at 910. And a big part of this call is that street consensus, Wall Street consensus. Is still way too high. Everyone needs to come back to him. Look at how that stock had been banging around between 12 and 14 for the most part of the, you know this year, and then it just fell out of bed. That's a pretty interesting setup. And then I'll let you talk to this chart, Carter. It's a 20-year chart. It's not a log chart, but it's kind of the lines that a lot of people might see when they go back to the financial crisis. The last time this stock was a hat size, it did capitulate down near that six-dollar level, and it came back really quickly. And if you just look at that downtrend, you see that there is some. Resistance at 13. I don't like buying the stock here. You are buying a falling knife. Who knows what's going to happen to the dividend and all that stuff, okay? Consensus needs to come lower. The company needs to actually come clean on this with thing. That said, with that said, with that I, said, you know, I'm looking at calls and call spreads out towards March. We know we're going to have a couple catalysts between now and then, and they look dollar cheap. So if you're willing to risk a certain amount of money, okay, that could go away if you just don't get it right. Um, then this is the trade for you if you want to be contrarian here. So today the stock closed uh, just below 865. You can look out to March expiration. You could buy the March 10. 13 call spread, paying 40 cents for that, buying one of the March 10 calls for 50 cents, selling one of the March 13 calls at 10 cents. That breaks even up at 1040. That's up, you know, 20 some percent from here, but you can make up to 260 between 1040 and 13, a level where the stock was trading what? Uh, a couple weeks ago, I mean, three weeks ago or something like that. So the risk-reward of this trade, you need a massive move. But when you get these downdrafts like that, sometimes you get those massive moves.
3: That's right. Um, I mean, two things. Obviously, the all-time low, the financial Six, crisis 66, low. 66, wasn't well, it? Well, no, the intraday of 572. Oh, 572. Right, that would be okay. the closing. And so the issue is well, we're getting very close to that, uh, that reference point, and surely at least Hopefully, it's not as bad for GE as, as it was then when there was many people questioning GE Capital whether it was going to pull the whole thing under. Um, but but if we could go to that first chart that Dan had, uh, where it was trying to base and then actually capitulate it and uh, basically plunge at the bottom, I mean, you could just go back and look at the tape. I have sat here on this desk saying that this bottom looks like it's going to hold and turn. And in fact, after holding and holding and holding, this thing just absolutely collapsed. So uh, it, it always... a is a testament to value investing is dangerous that's why they have value traps you you can try it and you can get trapped as as I, I was trapped so the question now is is there an end in sight at some point the only reference point is that financial crisis 09 low which is still considerably lower The this stock again 860 or uh, thereabouts the like that
1: you don't necessarily like I mean it, play it, or it's, or it's, bounce. it's
3: dangerous uh, as we know one look, month look, you know you know,
5: what it happened bottomed to me. Know on March no 4 2009 a month later it was up 100% almost right. or something like that so this okay. trade is really waiting for a washout. And then a V reversal.
1: So, let's get to Mike. Mike, what do you think? Which side? Which well, side are you on?
4: Yeah. Well, I, I'm actually on both of their sides. I think <laughs> GE has some serious, serious problems. This is a heavily indebted business, and you know it's interesting. You know, you got a new CEO. The stock saw a sharp pop off of that news, and then of course it sold off. And why did it do that? I think the reason is because people recognize when you have industrial companies like General Electric and they have fundamental problems, that doesn't get fixed with just replacing the guy who's in the corner office. So those problems are gonna basically live with this company for a little bit of time. That said, consider the fact that you're risking 40 cents. And by the way, you know, I was thinking about this call spread because in these kinds of situations, you might ask yourself, well, why don't I just go out and buy that call, selling a call for 10 cents? Well, let's remember what the price of the stock is. That's more than 1% of the current price of the stock. It's 20% of the value of this spread. This spread, if it did reach its maximum value, pays six to one. You know, it is a risky thing to try to make a bullish bet on this company because I don't think its problems are over. But to the degree that you might be tempted to do that because you could see volatility with a balance sheet this leverage, using options is the way to play it. And I like Dan's trade to do so.
5: Yeah, and just a a fine point. The show's called Options Action, right? I'm not saying to buy the stock. I'm not pounding the table here. I like that potential 6-to-1 payout if you have a 50% rally in a stock that the sentiment is getting washed out. And listen, we have three and a half months for this thing to play out. So I like the risk reward, risking 40 to maybe make 260.
1: All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. It's so good that Dan here cannot yes. put it down. It. So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up
2: next. Semis are getting smoked. And Mike Cohen and Carter were saying they could be heading a lot lower. They've got the trade. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns.
0: Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO Randy Smallwood, a commodities outlook, what's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector. Carl Kentania Sarah Eisen, Money Movers, today, 11 Eastern, CNBC.
1: Welcome back to Options Action. Semi is getting smacked again today, adding to the chip wreck over the last few months. Josh Lipton is in San Francisco with more on what's driving the sell-off. Hi, Josh.
6: Melissa, semis selling off here. Check out the SMH, finishing the day lower by about 2% and underperforming the broader tech sector all week. One member of that ETF, Skyworks, dragging down the space today. That stock getting shelled after investors were disappointed by the company's first quarter guidance, which missed analyst estimates. Now, part of the pressure there coming from weakness in high-end smartphones, Apple and Samsung, are customers there. This underscoring a key theme in that space. I checked in with B. Riley's Craig Ellis. Now, he emphasizes three broad challenges for semi-investors and traders right now to keep front and center. Trade friction, smartphone demand, and memory chip pricing. He prefers companies that already reported, got the bad news out of the way, and deliver dividends, he says. Microchip and KLA fit the bill. Now, chip investors turn their attention to next Thursday when NVIDIA reports results. That stock down more than 20% in just the last month. I know this is an options show, mail, So the implied move for NVIDIA is about 10% in either direction. So we could see another huge move next week. Back to you guys.
1: Thanks for that, Josh, with the implied move. (laughs) Josh Lipton in San Francisco. Well, as the semis get smoked, Carter sees even more downside ahead for one of the names. He's over at the Plasma to break it down for us. Carter.
3: Well, so this is the god of semis, right? You're talking about a stock, uh, best-performing stock in the S&P, uh, one year, two year, three year, four year, five year, going into October. And then we have a plunge that is, that is epic. Uh, the stock was 292. It prints 176 just a week and a half ago. That's a 39 percent decline. And then ricochets back to 220, and now it's starting to falter again. But let's put in some lines and see if we can figure it out. So we have this sort of, well, call it the trend of the past year, year and a half, it's clearly a break. Let's put it in context of the longer term. This is now picking up the lows, basically, of its great ascent. And we come down and we hit that line. So one could say, well, why don't you think it bounced? The problem is it did bounce, 176 to 220, a 25% move, as now it's starting to hook down again. My bet is that actually we're going to fail here. And unwind even further Uh, not good action from such a great leader so we're on that line again the bet is that we're going to undercut the line Uh, the group in general we know peaked before tech at tech peaked in many ways relative to the market in June as a sector it's just not a good setup and so I would just stare at these numbers the peak in the market the, the, the trough of October 29th before this ricochet occurred, uh, S&P 11.2, the Russell a little bit more, small cap, the tech sector a little more, the Nasdaq 100, the semis more, and then the king. Uh, if you can drop 40%, ricochet back 25, and then start to double, you can certainly go lower. Um, there is no valuation to discuss uh, when you can uh, surge, plunge, surge, plunge. It's in the hands. Of the algos in the hands of the chartists. It has nothing to do with valuation at all, uh, but I would be careful.
1: All right, thanks, Carter. So, Mike, what do you do?
4: I, I think the way to play this is with a put spread. You know, Carter just said it. This stock is extremely volatile. We've seen some wild swings. Buying it or shorting it, you're taking essentially unlimited risk either way. So, you definitely want to use an options trade here. The thing is, of course, as Josh pointed out, it's implying a move of about 10%. That's more than it normally implies. And another way to think about that is options are expensive. So is there a way that we could actually press a bearish bet here, but risk considerably less? I think there is. I was looking out to January. You could buy the 200, 160 put spread, spending 15 bucks for those 200 puts, selling the other ones for 4 bucks. Net, net, you're spending $11. That's just a little bit over 25% of the distance between the strikes. We're looking for a move to fresh lows here. I would just quickly point out, too, you know, you would look at the valuation, you'd say 24 times earnings for a company that's been growing as fast as this one has been doesn't look particularly expensive. But take a look at what happened to AMD. AMD is actually down more than this one is recent peak to trough. Off of their earnings, it moved about 15% to the downside. And clearly, I think what investors are waiting for is, you know, is this prolonged growth story, the tailwind of GPUs and AI going to hold up? and technically it doesn't look like they think it will. Dan, what
5: do you think? So, interestingly, the, the trade, you're you're really targeting a move all the way to the downside of 160. Now, obviously, you're not saying that's where it's going to go, but that stock was just trading at 180 a, a couple weeks ago. And when you think about a 40% peak to trough decline for a stock that had a $150 billion market cap just a month ago, um, it's pretty crazy. I will say, though, Carter, the charts are horrible. Um, if the stock were to go down, go back towards those levels, and the uh, 2019 estimates don't come down meaningful, It's a cheap stock when you think about where they're exposed. Right, that's that
3: one seventy six level. But just to think of that kind of sell off, it just puts the whole notion of what something's worth in question. It was worth two ninety two, then it was worth one seventy six, it was worth two twenty just sessions ago. Now it's back at two hundred five. I mean, it is virtually a gambling chip here, and so in many ways, the only way one can cope with it, and it will be uh, fraught with error too, is looking at charts. It's not going to be because it's cheap. It's expensive. That is out the window at this point.
4: Right. My Last word. Well, it it would be cheap, though. That's true to Dan's point. I mean, think about it. Since 2015, they've multiplied revenues three times. They've multiplied free cash flow six and a half times. And they've multiplied EPS over eight times since 2015. This is a fast-growing company, and they represent the technology of the future. That said, when you are holding stocks that move this sharply, this quickly, I think that you ought to definitely start taking a look at options positions. And even if you hold this stock, this might also serve as a way to hedge going into earnings.
1: All right. Still ahead, Bad Apple, the tech giant, is the worst performing stock in the Dow this month. Do the charts point to more pain ahead? We'll explain. Plus, got a question for one of the traders. Send us a tweet to add options action. We might read it later in the show. We're live at the Nasdaq and Times Square. More options action coming right up.
0: Today's money mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook, what's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector. Carl Cantania, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers, today, 11 Eastern, CNBC.
1: Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Last week, Dan said Chinese stocks are bracing for more pain.
5: I have a two-year chart here, and it's had about almost a 10% rally to this morning's open, and it failed right at that downtrend that's been in place from the January highs. What did it bounce off of? It bounced off of um, what I think is an interesting support level. The trade I'm looking at is in November expiration, two Fridays um, from now. You look out, you could buy the 41.39 put spread, paying 60 cents for that.
1: The FXI ETF that tracks the group tanking this week. It is now down nearly 3% since the time of the trade. So, Dan, how do you trade FXI now?
5: That was was some call. Um, Oh, here's the deal. (laughs) Uh, That trade is worth about a buck. It costs 60 cents. I think you're going to have follow-through back towards that lower short strike at 39 bucks. And I think that's where you take it off because time is against you at this point uh, with just five days expiration.
1: All right. Well, last month, Mike and Carter said Apple was set to shine on its earnings.
3: This is relative performance to the S&P. It peaked as far back as 2014, and just now is Apple actually starting to outperform the market, of which it is the biggest component. We think that's a positive, and we're going to make the bet that Apple's going to be okay uh, post earnings.
4: I'm selling the 195 puts at 350, buying the 220 calls, paying 1050, and then selling the 240 calls against it at three bucks
1: the tech giant falling on the back of its results and now down nearly six percent since the time of the trade. So, Mike, what are you doing with Apple here?
4: You know, I think we called this one wrong. That's my take. I definitely want to hear what Carter's got to say. But, you know, the stock's down 18 bucks since we put that trade on. This trade's down about five bucks. I think my inclination is just to take my punishment and move on.
1: Carter, yeah, what do you and It, was, and it
3: was, uh, wasn't a little bit of punishment. I mean, this was a murder, right? So uh, doing the stock did exactly the opposite of what we were playing for. And sometimes your first loss, your best loss, just walk away.
1: But what does the chart look like now?
3: Well, uh, you, you have a sell-off to a level of support. It bounced a little bit. It's trying to fight. But the truth is, it's lost. The opportunity was prospectively for a bounce in earnings. That's come and gone. Now it's a sort of dull.
1: So no, work, Just, no man's land. I think it fills
5: in that earnings gap from August 1st, to, and that's back right. towards 190.
1: All right. Up next, tweets and final call.
5: Today's
0: Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO Randy Smallwood. A Commodities Outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Kentania, Sarah Eisen. Money Movers, today, 11 Eastern, CNBC.